For the seventh time, I am not Joe Flacco. This is not Joe Flacco, the podcast. Only two segments today. Talking about Chris Johnson. Both the crazy news today that he's implicated in a murder for hire. And his place in history. As well as what's happened to the running backs. And then I get into... Odell Beckham Jr., you may have heard of him. Do you call him ODB or OBJ? I always like the ODB thing. Anyways, we're talking Odell Beckham Jr. I'm answering whether or not I think he's one of the best wide receivers in the game or if he's completely overrated. Thanks for listening, guys. Like, subscribe, follow, leave a review, rate it. Thanks for listening. Let's get into it. Episode 7 of Nacho Flack of the Podcast is brought to you by House Arrest. House Arrest. Chris Johnson is going to be begging for House Arrest. But I'll tell you what. This quarantine thing is like fucking House Arrest. And I'm going insane. Writing my name on the walls insane. Thank you to our sponsors, House Arrest. All right, so we're starting off the podcast today with, uh, I'm just going to start with Chris Johnson, uh, CJ prison number 75427K. The guy apparently, <laughs> the guy apparently hired a gang member to kill the two guys that shot him and killed his friend. And well, I understand the sentiment, uh, you know. Having having lived that life and 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 been there and survived, you know, you've got you made forty five to forty seven million dollars. What the fuck are you doing, man? Even if the money's gone, you. Anyways, Chris Johnson, man, um, another just tragic fall from grace i guess is the is the is the best thing i mean this guy was and we'll get into it but one of the all-time great running backs that weighed less than 200 pounds i mean he's, he was a, he was a little guy he's like you know a, a tevin coleman you know uh you know Mike kyle shanahan would have loved him um type of guy that put up just huge numbers a fifth highest single season Rushing yard in uh, rushing total in history. Um, the fifth highest, and that's all time. Fifth highest average all time for a season over fifteen hundred yards. So it, it's not like he got there just because he got the rock a lot. He was really really efficient. Fifth best all time with with the ball. And again, only five eleven and one ninety five. In terms of all time running backs. Under 200 pounds. Only two guys have more yards than him in NFL history. That's Tony Dorsett, who's a Hall of Famer. And I was surprised by this, but Warwick Dunn, a name you guys probably don't remember. Maybe you do. I don't give a shit. Um, And then 
Chris Johnson. Just a, a phenomenal talent. And obviously he's not dead. But this feels like kind of an in-memoriam thing because I wouldn't be thinking about Chris Johnson if not for the news today that he's implicated in in murder for hire. Two, two murder for hires. CJ two murder for hires. The, but in looking at his numbers to try and put some of this in context for myself and, and for you guys as well, is looking at what he did in that season where he went over 2,000 yards and then thinking about it in the context of the rest of the league and where the league is gone in regards to running backs. So if you, if you play fantasy football or have played over the last you know, 10 or 15 years, you may have heard of the curse of 370. And that's basically if a running back got more than 370 carries in a season, he, he was basically undraftable the next year. That was just too much mileage for one running back to burden, to, uh, to carry, too much burden for one running back to carry in a single season and then come back and be productive the next season. I lowered that threshold to 350. So 350 carries in a single season just to see. I'm looking for in terms of volume and how often that's happening and where did it start to fall off and things like that. Because if you just started watching football in 2015 – You've never seen a running back carry the ball 350 times in a single season. But it happened very regularly, more than more than an average of one per year, one and a half to two times per year, going all the way back for as long as I've been alive, going back to the 80s. So in the 80s, 16 players had, sorry, there were 16 seasons, individual seasons of 350 carries or more. In the 90s, there were 16 individual seasons of 350 carries or more. In the 2000s, so Chris Johnson's career, right? 21. But this decade, it's only happened twice and hasn't happened since 2014. The only two guys to do it this decade, or last last decade, the 20-teens, were DeMarco Murray and Arian Foster. And it speaks to just the way that running back, the way that running backs are used now, the value that teams put on them, which to me is kind of backwards. So we're at this point where running backs are probably the least valuable position on a football team. You know, you you should probably never pay a running back his second contract. And you can usually find guys off the quote-unquote scrap heap, that'll do just as well for you as any of the top guys. I mean, the Niners just went to the Super Bowl with basically three running backs that were either uh, lightly drafted or or undrafted on their roster. I mean, Breida and Raheem Mostert, both undrafted. I forget whether Tevin Coleman was, was drafted or undrafted. But like, it's just not it's just not a very important position but even with that even with the 
okay, I can find any guy off the street. Teams still aren't willing to give them 350 carries or more. You'd think that if you can just cycle one in and cycle one out, that you just like, oh, give them 450. And I don't know if that's maybe running backs saying and their agents saying, you're not giving me the ball that fucking much. I gotta, I'm trying to play more than one year. Because if you look at really good, you know, borderline Hall of Fame or borderline Hall of Fame running backs, you know, Edron James in the last year he ran for 350 yards, averaged 4.2 yards per carry, which is great, but never broke four yards a carry again. Sean Alexander carried it 370 times and averaged 5.1 yards per carry in a single season but never got above four ever again. And so you look at the impact that it's... So I I think it's two things. I think, one, running backs are just that much more interchangeable. And so, you know, you might as well... You know, if they're interchangeable, you might as well keep them fresh, I guess. But I think it's the other thing. I think it's probably the running backs are saying, listen, man, I want to win just as much as anybody. I want want to get as many yards as, as anybody. But I know what that number of carries will do to my career, and I'm not, I'm not going to play ball like that. Now, if you look at, and and and, and I usually tie things back to, to 49ers at, at some point in in a lot of these conversations. But if you look at a guy like Frank Gore, and he always gets put up against some of these other guys like the Sean Alexanders or some of these other guys that have these big 17, 18, 1900 yard seasons or 2000 yard seasons like Chris Johnson. But Frank Gore never carried the ball. I think more than 325 times, but he's always maintained that four plus yards per carry average. And again, I think this goes back to the way that they've changed the usage of the running backs. Cause Again, it was it was a little it was about one and a half times per season, you know, six for the eighties and nineties flat, sixteen, then sixteen, then it spiked in the in the early two thousands, and then it fell completely off the table to the point where again, if you haven't seen football, if you've only started watching football in the last five or six years, you've never seen a running back carry the ball with that kind of volume. So, uh, and Chris Johnson is another one of those guys that fell off after his big. 350 carry season because you take you take his size only 511 and 195 and couple that with that kind of burden and and while when he's in the moment right when he's in the season when he's in the game he's able to you know he's very efficient it's not like he was getting there three yards at a time the guy he was hitting home runs but it still takes a toll and we might never see, I think Derrick Henry is maybe the only guy in the league that you could give that kind of workload to, or they would even want that kind of workload. Maybe him, Zeke, Saquon. But, you know, if you're going to invest, if you're actually going to be silly enough to to draft a guy first overall, then you sure as hell shouldn't give him more than 300 carries in a season. Because you might not get the next couple seasons. You might not get the return on, on your investment for the next couple seasons. And if you remember, if you go back, this is what Le'Veon Bell was worried about when the Steelers franchised him during his holdout. And it's like, well, shit. 
if they don't want me next year, what the hell are they going to do to me this year? What are they going to ask me to do this year? And if I do that, am I ever going to be the same? Because other teams aren't stupid. What if they? What if the Steelers had given him the ball 350, 360, 370 times? What if he had rushed for 1,800 yards? His contract the year after that would have been even smaller than the one he got from after holding out. I think the message here is if you've got to, if you know somebody who's a running back, get them to stop playing running back. Switch them to wide receiver. This is what uh, Jalen Hurd, the Niners wide receiver, did. He was a he was a a, a phenomenal running back at Tennessee, and there uh, and he's like, fuck this, dude. I can't play running back to the next level. I'll only be in the league for two, three years. So we switched to wide receiver, and he became a six foot five, two hundred and forty pound wide receiver instead of a six foot five, two hundred and forty pound running back. Switched schools, went to Baylor, and got drafted as a wide receiver. He hasn't played because back injuries, but you know that's the type of thinking that that most young running backs are going to have to have is that like use it to get to college and then get the fuck out of that running back position. Let somebody else do it. If you're an elite talent, get the fuck away from that position. Anyway, that's my that's 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 where the this the Chris Johnson news took me from. Holy shit, that guy! That guy paid to hire that guy hired somebody to kill two other guys. To wow, we don't use running backs the same way anymore. So, anyways, thanks for listening. So this is another one of my topics that I've I've been asked about a bunch, and there's not a lot of players that are as polarizing as Odell Beckham Jr. And one of the reasons I bring it up is because he's constantly being linked to the Niners in trades. You know, the Niners have the extra second, uh, the extra first round draft pick from trading to Forrest Buckner, so now they're thirteen and thirty one. And there's a, there's rumors or thoughts that he could be had for maybe the 31st pick. I'm not in love with the idea just because I don't think you need a top five wide receiver to make it to the Super Bowl, as the Niners just showed. I do think they need some help, but I, you know, I, I don't think it's necessary. Also, they're really tight under the cap, and he's got a big cap number. But then the, the questions always come back to me with, would you even want him? Is he even good? Is he overrated? Is he just a guy that just made one big catch in his career? And I don't know where the fuck you guys get your these thoughts from that Odell Beckham is just some guy. Or if like you think that the things that like Skip Bayless and Colin Cowherd and say is is actually grounded in any kind of like numbers or anything but Odell Beckham through the first six years of his career even missing 21 games is one of the all-time greats he has had one of the all-time great starts to his career in his first six years five times he's gone over a thousand yards even this last year with this slapdick Browns one you know not even the worst year of his career this year 
full season of his career. He had that one year where he basically only played two games. But five times in six years, he's over 1,000 yards. He's over 14 yards per catch for his career. And he scored 48 touchdowns. And he's gone over 6,000 yards total in his career. When you look at the list of guys who have done that, 14 yards per catch, at least 48 touchdowns, and 6,000 yards, there's only 10. It's Randy Moss, Jerry Rice, Calvin Johnson, Megatron, Mike Evans, A.J. Green, Lance Allworth, Odell Beckham, some guy named Charlie Hennigan. Uh, I've actually never heard of him. Not like when I said I hadn't heard of Dan Marino, but I've actually never heard of this guy. Greg Jennings, who should be the first name you bring up anytime somebody says Aaron Rodgers didn't have any weapons. Like, Greg Jennings is one of has one of the best starts to his career. And his career started in like 2006. So Aaron Rodgers got like the most of the full benefit of that. And then the number 10 guy on that list is Terrell Owens. There's multiple Hall of Famers and all-timers on that list. And some of the best receivers in this league are on that list. And you know who's not on that list? Guys like Julio Jones, Antonio Brown. that don't match up with Odell's stats when you cut it like this. I'm sure if I cut it a different way that, you know, Odell wouldn't necessarily keep up with with some of Julio's stats. I get that. But 14 yards of catch, elite territory, 48 touchdowns, and 6,000 yards. And that's even with missing, again, 21 games over those six years. He's missing about three and a half games a season. Most of that from the season where he missed – Says he played four games, but really only started two. So throw on top of that fact that he's only 27 years old. And you've got, except for his price tag, you've got, there's an elite receiver in there. He is not done. He was the only option on that Giants team in the last couple years. The only reason that offense went anywhere the only thing that defenses could key on, and he still put up those numbers. And then going to Cleveland, well, the Giants sent him there for a reason, right? The Giants had a better offer from the 49ers, and they decided to send him to Cleveland because, and the theory is, is that the Giants would look worse no matter what the Giants got back from the Niners. It would look terrible compared to how well Beckham would do in Kyle Shanahan's system. And that if he went to the Browns, it might be better for them optically to have won the trade. Which is horseshit. And if you're a Giants fan, you should be fucking furious. If you're going to trade a guy like that, you better at least get the right offer. Who cares what the other team's doing? You need to stock your team. I mean, Bill Belichick traded Drew Bledsoe Within the division. Well, that's the difference between playing scared and playing to win. So let's look at... Here's where I'm worried, though. And here's... here's And maybe Odell's worried about this, too. Kevin Stefanski was the Vikings offensive coordinator last year. And he had... Kirk Cousins... 
very accurate quarterback, one of the certainly the top 15 quarterbacks in the league, 69% accuracy. And he had Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen. Yet nobody on that roster went over 100 targets last season. And Odell's never had less than 120, except for, again, the one injury-shortened season. But even in the other seasons where he's been a little banged up, never less than 120 receptions or targets. So what the fuck's going to happen? If you thought, like... What's going to happen if he's only if he gets 90 balls thrown his way next year? Cuz that's 6 targets a game. He catches 60%, called 65%. That's 4 catches a game. Now people, now all, all, all of you folks that are that are saying Odell's overrated now you think you have you, you'll think you have momentum here. You'll think you've got the argument won, but he's just in a in a run heavy offense that's not taking advantage of him. And you know Bradley Chubb's going to get work, and Kareem Hunt's going to get work, and then Beckham's going to have to split targets with Landry and Austin Hooper too, right? There's a lot of talent on that Browns team but I'm not sure that the offense is set up to maximize Beckham. And if you're going to run that type of offense, why the fuck have Beckham and Landry? And flip flip that around. If you've got Beckham and Landry, why would you hire a guy who doesn't want to use them? So we've kind of devolved here from, okay, how good is Odell Beckham to talking about what the Browns are going to be like? And I've got a whole other podcast planned for that. Angry Browns fans is going to come on and, and we're going to talk Browns dysfunction. But going back to Beckham, again, this guy is, has had an all-time start to his career. You look at the first three years of his career, and he was the only guy out of all of these guys, Mike Evans, Julio, A.J. Green, he was the guy that scared me about Jerry Rice's records. He was the one because he was catching 90 plus balls a season for those first three years, putting up huge yardage, scoring all sorts of touchdowns and was doing it kind of in the same way that Jerry would slants, slant passes, and he's gone getting over the top of guys gone, but would run all the routes would run over the middle, would run the, the, the slants would run the, posts and the deep ends and the outs and he ran the whole tree but was he he scared the hell out of me and if there's I don't think the Browns are set up to uncover that guy again and I think the thing that's going to hold him back this year is the is the Stefanski offense but if the Niners could go get him and make the salary cap numbers work I'm here for it I am here for it. But if the Niners go and get Jerry Judy, I'm okay with that too. I'm very, very okay with that. Um, anyway, so those are my thoughts on, on OBJ. I would absolutely say that he is a top five receiver in the league if he's used right. But no receiver can be top five in the league if you're not throwing him the ball. And if they're, if they're dumb enough to only throw him the ball five or six times a game, 
you know, the Browns get what they deserve. So those are my thoughts. Thanks for listening. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.